All right, let's see. So scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, which can be found on page 979 of your pew Bible. Um, as you turn there, I'll turn to the Lord in prayer. I feel like Baker just opened our scripture reading with a prayer, but we're going to double bless it this morning. So uh, let us pray. Lord, I just pray that uh, as we do open, open this book, this, this true, inerrant, infallible, authoritative word, that you've given us, uh, Lord, that, that uh, you would open our hearts, open our minds to, to truly hear it, to have it resonate throughout our, our whole being, Lord. Uh, I pray that as Scott relates it to us and breaks it down for us and puts it in, in further terms and ways we can understand, Lord, I just pray that you be with him as, as he does that as well. Lord, I pray the blessing of your word in all things. In your heavenly name we pray, amen. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who who is both their master and yours, is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Word of God for the people of God. We've... We're working through um, part of Ephesians where he's showing how the gospel transforms our relationships. And particularly, uh, he, he's looking through the different relationships within a household. Well, we looked at husbands and wives. We've looked at um, um, parents and children. Um, and now we, we move on to uh, what would be slaves or bond servants, servants within the house. And they were considered part of the household. Um, before we move on, we need to get some things straight in wording. Um, the, the translators of the ESV um, have used the term bondservant, and, and I think wisely so, because the, though this was slavery in the ancient world, there was differences with what we have come to think of as slavery um, the developments of that horrific institution that happened in 18th, 19th century America. Um, and so they used the bond servant to kind of help us understand that this relationship was a little bit different. And, you know, it's very often that we see this and, and very often that Christians kind of raise the accusation of how can you believe in an errant and infallible scripture if it justifies and, and okays um, as horrible of a sin as slavery. And so I want to I just deal with that a little bit before we kind of apply this to our current life and see uh, how it relates to us. And so one of the things that I want to point out is that um, the institution that was in the ancient world uh, of slavery was a different type than what we have known in our history. Uh, first off, it was not based on race. 
Um, it was based more on indebtedness, um, losing war, um, difficulties in life and different situations that would lead to economic um, you know, downfall of someone. And the only recourse they had in a time when if, if they had no property, they, they weren't producing uh, a way to live, was to in, enter into what we would know more as indentured servitude. So it wasn't based on race. It was based on uh, economic need, um, issues after war. One of the things about it was also that it was temporary um, or could be temporary. In other words, someone could buy their way out um, and redeem themselves. And so the, the institution was more like what we have uh, with indentured servants. Um, I um, can remember part of my education was paid for by a promise to do certain work for a denomination. Uh, my brother um, had education paid for as an electrician with promise to do work. And, and so I, there, there is that aspect to it, that it's an indebtedness based on a promise of work that could be later uh, redeemed. And then one of the things, so one of those is it's this, this is a different thing, and yet I don't want to say, hey, this was a good thing. Weren't we glad it was there? But one of the things we see is Scripture at times recognizes things and regulates things without endorsing things, without saying this is good and this is what our ultimate will is. And so there, there's economic realities that we can't imagine a small minority of a few hundred um, people in the Roman Empire thinking they would overturn. Um, especially when you think that nobody had that concept. The, the entire ancient world um, understood this as part of life, and for us, that's unimaginable. And yet, let me point out, the Old Testament forbids lending it interest. And we think, how could you possibly have an economy that didn't have interest? And that's almost the foundation of our modern system. And so just to say that some things can be unimaginable for one group of people, and after a time in history, completely imaginable. So in a time when this was so part, notice that God is regulating. God is um, giving rules to um, deal with a sinful condition um, in the midst of that sin. And yet, take note, the seeds for the overthrow of that institution are in here. Because historically the church did say, we're not going to do this. And when it came up later in the history of uh, colonies in America, the ones who lobbied the hardest and overthrew were Christians who believed in the word of God. It, it was people like, one of the reasons we sang Amazing Grace, other than it's an easy song for a small crowd to sing, is it is written by a man whose heart was transformed from being in the slave trade to recognizing this is sinful and needs to be overthrown and helped uh, mentor um, leadership within parliament in Britain for its overthrow. So to say all of that, to, to, as we come to this, don't dismiss so quickly the idea that, oh, God says this is a good thing, as much as look at how he's transforming it and looking at how the seeds of what we're going to look at now play out over the course of history.
Well, what does he say? Bond servants, slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord. So I want to point out a few things here. The first is, Paul addresses the servants. We might not find that radical, but look at the dignity he's giving and saying, I'm addressing you. The inference there is then that is part of the church. And in fact, it's probably the majority of or a large portion of any church he's addressing is people in this condition. And so he's, he's addressing them and saying, um, I'm giving you God's word. You are um, equally dignified in the eyes of God, and you are equally um, redeemed and a Christian and are hearing God's word. And you, you're not just here to do whatever someone tells you. you. You have your own conscience. You have your own will. And you are to follow God and live as a disciple in whatever condition God's providence has brought you. And so just to address and recognize is to say they're part of the community. And so any kind of sense of um, social hierarchy within the church or kind of um, social level to be part of this is thrown out completely because I mean, think about it. If we're, if we're kind of taking a high and mighty stance against um, some of the positions in Scripture, recognize this is one of the very few pieces of literature from the ancient world that was addressed to a community made up of slaves. This is one of the few pieces of literature that would have included the, the views of ordinary tradesmen and craftsmen and the, the, those who would not normally be writing literature that's kept on. Most of the ancient literature we have is from the, um, the higher-ups. This is literature from those who are doing work, and usually a story isn't told. But anyway, he's addressing them. They're part of the community, and they're as much a part of the community as anyone. And so we have to recognize that our church, our community, who we are as a covenant body is to be made up of all peoples, regardless of um, where we find ourselves um, providentially, socially. The second is uh, they are called to an obedience to God um, in their obedience to um, um, their, supervisor, their, their um, masters. So we, I mean, kind of translating this into our current lifestyle, those who would supervise us, those we would work for, those we would um, have, have authority over us in our work, we recognize that we are to obey them, and we obey them, serving them, not as though we're just trying to do our work, um, get the paycheck, do what we're asked to do, and, and move on. Don't do the job and then talk about the person behind their back. Um, there, there's almost this, um, I, I, there's almost forbidding brown nosing. <laughs> you know, it's, it, we're not just trying to look good in front of somebody else. I, I think that, that, that might be a translation of man pleaser. 
I mean, we're not just trying to kind of look good and get approval. We're trying to do something and realizing when somebody asks us to do something, when somebody gives us a direction and we're, we're so weak on authority that we, you know, we, we hesitate to, to recognize that we do obey those over us. We, we do recognize authority. And, and so when we do our work, all of the work that we do, regardless of where we are and what our job is, any work that we do, we recognize is ultimately done to God and for God. And, and whatever that work is, uh, we recognize that we're, we're, we have an attitude of obedience. We want to do everything that we do with excellence. We, we want to do it not just um, to, to kind of look good and, and move ahead and get approval, but we're looking to a God who sees in secret, who sees our hearts, and we want to be obedient. And I, I love this here. Um, not being people believers, but being servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, that when we're doing our work, we're doing God's will. Now, now part of me immediately kind of goes to looking at myself, like, okay, I want to do a good job because I'm doing this for God, right? And maybe you think immediately of, uh, of kind of, okay, maybe I don't like this, but I need to do it as though I'm doing it to the Lord because God's will is that I'm here. You know, God's will and, and the way he's brought you into wherever you're working is that you do that, if, even if it's boring at times, even if it's frustrating, even if there's some things that are annoying, even in the joy, um, even the things that you love to do, recognize you're not doing it because it's fulfilling and you love to do it, but you're doing it to do God's will. And so God's will might be at times to, to, to bring you and work in you and to sanctify you and to shape you, maybe Dealing difficulties is God's way of, of forming you and shaping you. Uh, God having you in places so you have an impact and an opportunity to share God's love with your coworkers and the other people around you. But, but one of the ways that you are doing God's will in whatever job you're doing is you're answering God's prayers. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. And God brings someone who um, works a farm. God brings someone who can take that product to the market. God works in a way to have someone selling that. And so um, the, the person at the drive-thru at Jack's is an answer to give me this day our daily bread. And so when someone prays for, um, you know, <laughs> safety on the road, uh, keeping someone safe, Lights on trucks are helping to provide that. When someone is praying for justice and righteousness, your work to work for justice is answering God's prayer. When praying for healing and restoring, your work to bring health and help people in that way and to train people who can bring health and healing. When people are praying for prophets and for life to go good to help them build a facility where they can do that is answering God's prayer. So all the work that we do is to be an answer in doing God's will for the good of others. And so it's not just, I'm doing this for a paycheck. I'm not just doing this uh, because I get personal fulfillment and I enjoy it, but you're doing God's will as you bring healing, as you uh, bring productivity, as you bring things that people need into their lives. What a difference that makes in the way you approach your work, right? 
I mean, if, if I'm doing this because I love it and I feel important and I feel good, it's all about me. And if I'm doing it in spite of this boring and this tedious and it's repetitive, um, still I'm focusing on my attitude towards it. But if I'm doing it because God has put me in here and what I'm doing is providing for the needs of others, what a different view. And then those who are over others in authority, those who are the masters in this relationship, this should blow your mind. What does he say? Do the same for them. He doesn't say, you, you can just say, I'm going to lay down the rules and I'm going to make threats and I'm going to say this is the way it's going to be and I'm the boss. I mean, I'm just going to exercise this authority. If you, if you have authority over others... If you supervise others, if you lead others uh, to the extent that you do that, he says, do the same thing to them. In other words, you love, you, you work with them and you, you lovingly um, give leadership and guidance and direction in a way that remembers that you're not just trying to look good in front of others. You're not just trying to build yourself up, that you're serving God's will that you're being obedient to Christ in the way you work with somebody and that you are doing things in a way um, um, that recognizes God's authority over you. And, and so for that, it's an amazingly um, equalizing thing. He's telling them both, remember, your real master is Jesus Christ. Your real master is the Lord, and God is over you, and the way you have in the flesh in this earthly role there's different levels of authority in place where we answer to people and where we have supervision over others and we have authority. But all of those, we do so looking to a God who is over us, and we do so looking to the way he did these things. Look at the way he did this. He is the master who became a slave to free us. He is one who doesn't threaten over others, but he lovingly, graciously um, is over us and has authority over us that he exercises in a loving way and such to an extent that he sacrifices himself to come and serve rather than be served. And so he shows us both lordship and authority as well as service used to free and to be with us. Look at the incredible dignity he gives us. We are all in Christ. Whatever our work is, whatever our position is, whatever our job is, you are in Christ and you do so uh, recognizing that everything you do has meaning and has purpose and has a role to play in what God is doing. And the work that you have is part of God's will and God's providence. And you follow one who gave up his authority and position and power to serve us so that now we can be free to serve others, having been strengthened and empowered by that, to serve others and to do all of our work as to the Lord. So as we, we, we go back into our ordinary jobs, whatever those are, uh, do so recognizing that you serve a God who loves you that the work you're doing has purpose and he's using it and you are doing your work, uh, whatever that work is, as to the Lord. For he sees and uh, he is a Lord who is not over us, um, threatening 
but a Lord who um, uses us, guides us, and promises to reward every good that we have done. Nothing is in vain. And no matter how difficult people can be to work with, no matter what challenges you face, anything you do with excellence, everything you do good as though it's to the Lord, will not be unrewarded. Let us stand and state what we believe through the words of the Apostles' Creed.